Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. We're talking about faith. Say faith. Faith and hope. I've actually noticed a lot of um, people, uh, like, I don't, maybe it's just the algorithm of YouTube, but there's like a lot of messages coming up about faith right now in my feed. And I'm noticing a bunch of other ministers in the nation and really around the world are kind of starting off January by focusing on faith. And just reiterate a little bit faith, faith is not, listen to this, if you don't get anything out of today, get this one thing. Faith is not what you do to get God to respond to you. Faith is your response to who he is. Faith is your response to what Christ has done for you. And faith is your response to what Christ has done in you. It takes a lot of faith to believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It takes a lot of faith to believe that you are forgiven. Do you know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, we think we've been taught it takes a lot of faith to get get God to bless you, or it takes a lot of faith to get healed. It's like, no, that's that's a misunderstanding of what faith is. Faith is not a commodity that you have that you convince God to do things with. You know, like a lot of times when you hear people talk about faith, it's like this tool, like this crowbar that you storm the throne of God with and you're trying to wrench things out of God's hand. I need some blessing, you know. No, faith is this. God appears into your life and he says, I love you. I want to bless you. I will be with you. I will never forsake you. And I want to bring healing into your life and provide for you all along the way. And you look at him and you say, yes. And to the degree that you are convinced of his revelation of himself to you, That's the determination between great or weak faith. Great faith is not somebody that has more of it. Great faith is somebody that's just convinced of who he is. You want strong faith? You want great faith? You want big faith? Persuade your heart of his character. And that's what these, we try to pick songs that, that sing about his true character. You know, not trying to create a separation between us and God, but trying to create a an awareness of the type of relationship that we have with him. Because we are to actually walk by faith and not by sight. But again, faith is not this lifestyle that you engage in to try to persuade God to show up and do things. I promise you, God's trying to do way more in your life than you can pray up. Are you with me? Like all the stuff that we pray for to try to get God to get up off his throne and come down here and do some stuff. He's like, I wish y'all would believe me because I'm trying to do it too. I'm ahead, I'm way ahead of you, right? We're begging for a revival. We're begging for him to pour this out. And it's like, no, 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 no. I've given you the authority. I've given you down in this earth carrying his, they're doing nuts to release that presence, to, to increase the kingdom. And it's not that he's just sitting there doing nothing. He's active. He's leading. He's guiding. He's moving. He's working. But if we're waiting on him, we're going backwards. So, Faith is an interesting, and so now we live in this paradox, right? Because we live in these bodies, we live in this world where we look at 
life and we see the deficiencies and we have the hurt and the pain, but yet then we have Jesus on the other hand saying, all things are possible for those who believe. Well, yeah, but I'm broke and I've always been broke. Well, you know what? He became poor so that you might be made rich. I'm hurting. I've lost. I've got great loss in my life. And I understand that he experiences that. And, and I, don't, I don't, you know, unfortunately, when faith is the focus, and, and we talk more about grace and the heart and identity, but I'm just really feeling this faith thing in the early part of the year. But when you start talking about faith, it can be offensive. It can be challenging because of the way that Jesus talks about faith and the invitation into a mindset that contradicts most of our life's experiences, right? So we live in this paradox of the natural world called into a supernatural lifestyle, our current emotional state versus the joy that's available in him, abundant provision, exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine, so that you can be a blessing in this earth and then God being your provider. I don't did that one make sense? I kind of lost it on that one. So faith is not, okay, I got to figure out how to do this stuff really good. It's let me just be persuaded of who he is. Let me make sure that I'm I've got an accurate picture of God in this particular situation. And the way that you do that is you look at who Jesus is. Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. So faith is challenging. Faith stretches us and pulls us into an area where we are expecting the impossible. We're not just open to the idea of the impossible. It's not like, yeah, I think he could, he could do that. He could do that if he wanted to. That, that's what most people's faith is. They believe God's controlling everything and that everything that happens is a result of him allowing it or disallowing it. And faith is, well, I trust him no matter what. And that is an aspect of it, but that's not the type of faith that Jesus invites us into. Jesus invites us into a type of faith that actually believes for the impossible. Doesn't just consider it possible, but expects it. Expects it, and that's hope. So we're talking about faith and hope. Faith is trust, and hope is expectation specifically expectation of good things. And we want to walk in that lifestyle. We walk by faith, not by sight. I want to live always expectant of the impossible happening. And I hear it. I mean, I'm telling you, I see it. I hear it. Yeah, but this, what about this? And I don't know. Well, I've tried and God didn't. And I prayed and I did everything. I don't know. I hear it. I get it. I've had all those conversations and I have those thoughts too. But here's the thing. We can either rationalize based on our experiences or we can hold the words of Christ in our hearts and allow that to affect our minds and our expectations. And that's the hardest thing to do in the world when you're hurting, when you've been disappointed, when you're currently in lack, when you're currently facing a death sentence, when you've just lost somebody. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to uh, not address that, but it's like, listen, we are spiritual beings. We are in this place to experience the impossible. All things are possible for those who believe. I want to be about believing. Amen? The world needs to see a church convinced of the character of God. 
And then all these interesting laws, these spiritual laws kick in. The law of faith, the law of the seed, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And I'm not talking about laws where you can kind of work these things and try to manipulate the spirit dimension. You know, the, a little bit of review, the laws we talked about. It's like the law of gravity. You know, if you fall off of a ladder and hurt yourself, the law of gravity did not decide to teach you a lesson that day. If you sin and reap death and destruction in your life, it's not God sending judgment. It's the fruit of sin on its own. God's already judged you in Christ. He doesn't have any more left for you. The end is a different thing, but right now, God's not picking and choosing judgments in your life. So if something bad happens to you, don't ever ask the question, what's God doing to me to allow this to happen, as if it's a form of penalty for your behavior. That's not happening. But that doesn't invalidate Romans 6, you know, don't sin. Sin, God's not mocked. It will reap its own death, right? The, the, the law of sin is active as well. But we are subject to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We're subject to the law of faith. And so those laws are like the law of lift. Now, Bob, listen, this is not a sermon on the dynamics of flight, okay? I'm just, I'm just teasing we got a couple of pilots here, and he was correcting me on my, uh, on my explanation of lift. But so, so, like, thinking about the law of lift, right? Most people are familiar with what the law of lift is. You know, the law of lift is something that weighs hundreds or thousands of pounds with the right circumstances, with the right wings, tilted the right way, the right thrust. A two-ton object will lift up into the air, and supersede the law of gravity, engaging the law of lift. So it's not that it breaks the law of gravity. It's just that there's another law in action that brings you into a different dimension. We live in pretty much a two-dimensional plane. You know, the, the three-dimensional world is you can go forward and backward, left and right. And so you mix those two dimensions, and you can go, you can go any, anywhere around those two dimensions. And then the third dimension is up and down. The law of lift brings you into a third dimension of up. And then I happen to think that the kingdom of God, it's like gravity. There's a gravity, some consider it a dimension that we're engaged in. It's constantly acting on you, but with the right set of circumstances, you can lift up into a higher dimension. The kingdom of God is around. You're right in the middle of it. Amen? Just, just think about that for a minute. Where is gravity? It's a field. Constant. It's constant. No matter what, it's around us. You're in the middle of it. No matter how high, how low, it does change. But, but think about that. Where's gravity? And then think about where's the kingdom? You're in the middle of it now. And just like engaging the law of lift, to lift into that third dimension... We engage the laws of the Spirit and experience that kingdom dimension. The kingdom is now. It's here. It's in you. It's active. And there are benefits of experiencing that kingdom. But you don't get into that kingdom by doing faith really well. right? You don't get into that kingdom by doing anything. You recognize that you already are within it, that it's in you. Amen? It's a perspective shift. Like perspective is, 
If there's something over there on that wall that is the answer to all the problems in my life, but that speaker's in the way and I can't see it, if I have a perspective shift, if I move around like this, now I can see what's on that wall and all my problems are solved. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like, just saying. Your vantage point changes. Here's our vantage point. So this is the second thing I really want you to get out of this. First is faith is not what you do. Faith is a response. The second thing is in dealing with life, you have to change your vantage point. And your vantage point is seated with Christ in God. When you're praying, when you're expecting God to move, when you're dealing with your life, when you're processing your emotions, when you're thinking about the future, you must see yourself seated with Christ in God, in that heavenly dimension. And it starts to change things, right? It's like, okay, so I'm dealing with this issue. I'm dealing with this emotional issue. What is the emotion of Christ seated? What's that? What emotions? Y'all speak it out. What, what emotions do you think Jesus is experiencing right now in heaven? Peace. Peace. Love. Peace and love, that's joy. joy. Empowerment. Confidence. 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 Satisfaction. I mean, that, that, so, so when you pray, are you in the earth, seated in your problem, seated in the lack, seated in the distance from God, seated in the evaluation of what just happened to you, the pain, the trauma? You, what, what is it that you're seated in when you pray? What's your vantage point? But if you realize that you're seated in Christ, it should change. Right? So your vantage point then becomes, oh, man, this is already taken care of. Yeah, yeah, there's the world to deal with. We don't deny what's going on in the world. I don't deny these issues that I'm actually dealing with. But who am I in this situation? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am hidden with Christ in God. For me, all things that pertain unto life and godliness have already been provided. By his stripes, I have been healed. I am raised with him and seated in heavenly places. That's who I am. That's my vantage point. Now, that's not necessarily reality in your soul and in your body and in this life, but it can be. It really can be. Does that mean everything's going to work out perfectly and you're never going to have any problems? Of course not. There's the suffering of working through temptation. There's the suffering that you might experience in answering your call to go out into the world and the persecution that comes against you, which those are the only two kinds of suffering that God endorses, by the way. Like, you stub your toe or get a flat tire or something worse. That's not God creating suffering for you. It's like, I got so serious that the joke didn't fall flat. <laughs> so... I'm not going to read through all these passages because it's just a ton of them. I'll, I'll, we'll send these out. But I want to walk through these, and I want to paint the picture of what Jesus says about faith. Now, be ready to either be encouraged or offended. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious, right? Because I've tried, I've prayed, I've believed, I've done everything. And this disease, this illness, my child, this whatever, it hasn't changed. 
But Jesus says all things are possible for those who believe. Now, this is not, I've got this all worked out, let me tell you how to do it type of sermon. This is me, we're, all, we're just collectively looking at this together. We're going to look at a few passages about faith from the mouth of Jesus, and we're all going to wrestle with it together. And hopefully the wrestling is a repentant process of us changing our minds, putting on the new man that is created after him in righteousness and true holiness, folding the word of God into our hearts, knowing that it produces life. But that, that's, that's what I want to do here for just a minute. So just kind of think, pretend that you're a garden. The heart, the soil of your heart is receptive. In fact, just take a deep breath for a minute because I'm telling you it's challenging when you read these passages. And just, just think, I'm open to God's word. I trust Jesus more than my own thoughts. I trust the word of God more than my rationality. I'm open to his word. So Philip, follow me on this because I'm not, I'm not going to read all the ones that we have um, made. So we're going to start in Matthew 8. Now this is the centurion soldier, comes to Jesus, asks him to come and heal his servant. Jesus says, let's go. And the servant says, no, you don't have to come. I understand authority and you have authority over disease. If you just speak it, he'll be healed. And so what does Jesus say? This is verse 13, Matthew 8, 13. Jesus said to the centurion, go. Now, this is the offensive part. And it shall be done for you as you have believed. Think about that for a minute. It shall be done for you as you have believed. And he's asking for somebody else. Think about that. He's not even asking for himself. I'm going to make some statements, and I'm not trying to put a nice little bow to tell you how to think about it. Are you with me? You let these sit and let it change. Let it, let, let it do a work within you. Let it produce whatever it produces. If it, if it digs up an offense, if it digs up a, mm, I don't know about that, you, you know, pay attention to what's going on, on the inside of you when you hear these kinds of things. Because your heart will tell you how receptive you are to these passages, to these ideas that Jesus, you, you know, your, your inner reaction will tell you, how, how receptive am I actually to this? Maybe you remember a sin habit. Maybe you remember a loss or a difficulty. What, what comes up when you hear these kinds of things, right? So he says, Jesus said to the, the centurion, go and it shall be done for you as you believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 9, there's two blind men that come to him. Verse 28 now, it's interesting because a, a variation of this response, Jesus almost always says to people who come to him for healing, whether it's for themselves or for somebody else. He almost always says some form of this, right? Now, remember, faith is not something that you got to get more of. Faith is not something that you do. Faith is how convinced am I of God that he How convinced am I? that I am forgiven. You with me? So he says in verse 28, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He didn't say, have you tithed? 
Did you offer the right sacrifice? Did you go to church enough? Have you read the scripture enough? Have you kept the law perfectly? No, he says, do you believe that I am able? That's the first thing. You know, we, we've been reading this, these passages in Hebrews 11, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is actual evidence. By faith, we believe that the worlds were created. See, faith comes before understanding. Or by faith, we understand, it says. That's, I think, Hebrews 11.3. But he says here, do you believe that I am able? And I answer that in your own heart. Do you believe that he is able? And most of us would say, yeah, of course he's able. But is he willing for me? That's the big question. Do you believe that I'm able? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, it shall be done for you according to your faith. I mean, I kind of don't like that. <laughs> you know? Matthew 15, the Canaanite woman's daughter. Again, we'll post all these up, maybe make a note of these. This is Matthew 15, 21. I'll just give you the references for those of you that are actually taking notes. Not that that's, that kind of sounded sarcastic, didn't it? I didn't mean it that way. Matthew 8, 5 through 13 is the centurion. Matthew 9, 27 through 31 is the two blind men come to him. So Matthew 15, 21 through 28. This is the Canaanite woman's daughter. So then Jesus said to her, this is so in verse, go, back, go to verse 28, please. Then he said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at once. This was another remote healing. This woman sought Jesus. He was able. He was willing. And she received her desire. Mark 5, verse 25 through 34. <clears throat> and it makes a good study to go read through these whole sections. But this is the woman with hemorrhage. You know, that we, we hear about this story a lot. This is the woman, Jesus is moving through the crowds. He's touching people. He's healing people, doing all kind of miracles. And all of a sudden, this woman comes, and she's set it in her heart. If I touch him, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. If I could just touch him, I know that I'll be healed. So then he says, well, who touched me? And, of course, the disciples are like, what do you mean? There's a bunch of people here touching. What are you talking about? But he felt virtue go out of him. You know, here, here's the thing. God is on ready waiting for you to go. Think about, just, just, just think about this for just a minute. Jesus is walking through the crowd. She didn't ask him for healing. She didn't go to him and make her case. She just recognized him. Reaches out and touches. And the nature of Christ is for you to receive what you're seeking him for, whether he's aware of it or not. Isn't that interesting? He's not making a decision. It's available. Just by sheer character and nature of who he is, he is a provider. You seek him, you experience provision. Not because he then says, oh, you've sought me. Good job. Here's some provision. No, he is provision. He is healing. Do you need healing? Intertwine your heart with him. You don't have to ask him. No, you know, it's interesting because we are in a relationship. He does say ask. And again, it's not that he's just sitting there, his feet kicked back. Well, it's up to you. Hope you figure it out. 
I mean, there is a relationship they're in the midst of, right? But he's willing. Say he's willing. Do we take the time to work those moments into our personal lives, right? So that you take it personally. It's not just for somebody else, but it's for you. So he says in verse 34, uh, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be cured of your disease. Mark 10 46 through 52, blind Bartimaeus, verse 52, uh, yeah, verse 52, he says, Go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Well, what is his faith? His faith is standing there looking at Jesus, knowing that he's the healer, not even understanding how it all works, and he experiences that, which he recognizes Christ to be. That, that's one of those laws of spirit, is that as you behold him, you become like him. As you behold him, healer, you become like him. As you behold him, love. God is love. You got somebody that you're dealing with? You got a difficult job, relationships, maybe the person in the mirror, and love is not really the primary thing there? Behold him in that situation, and you become like him. You, you can't make that happen. It's just the law of the Spirit. It's the law of Spirit of life. It's the law of faith active and working within you. As you seek Him, you become like Him. You can't make that happen. The more you try to make it happen, the more you invalidate the process even. You old self-righteous thing, you, you can't. <clears throat> the, the, so the ten with leprosy. They come to Him, ask for healing. He says, go. He heals them all, they go away, and then two return, and he commends them. And then he says to the two in verse 19, Luke 17, 19, this is Luke 17, 11 through 19, but in verse 19, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. Well, where is their faith? Their faith is in him. So then, and this is the last passage here, this is Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 31 through 33. You can go ahead and put that up if you would. Verse 31. He presented another parable. To, so, that, so Matthew 13, Mark 4 and Matthew 13 are kind of like the same things happening, just different books. Next week, we're going to talk about Mark 4 and really go into the heart aspect of it. Today, I just kind of wanted to take time and almost meditate through these passages kind of collectively and together and just see is my heart actually receptive to this idea? Maybe I need to change some things about what I think about faith, what I'm open to, what I believe he's willing to do. And do that work. Wrestle, that, wrestle with those things inwardly to the place of receptivity. Dealing with our hurts and doubts. I think that super chill, sweet, meditative worship has we slowed everything down today. <laughs> But so Matthew 13, 30, uh, starting in 31, after he teaches on the kingdom, then he talks about faith in this. Uh, he, so he presented another parable to them, to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a person took and sowed in his... Now, you got to know that in this parable, the seed is the word of God, the soil is your heart, 
And the kingdom is the aspect of that heart receiving and bearing fruit after the seed's kind, right? So the kingdom is that, the, you experiencing the word planted in your heart, the kingdom experience of that is the benefit of whatever that seed is. Does that make sense? I don't know if I said that super clearly, but the, the way of the kingdom, let me say it this way, the way of the kingdom is this, that you experience the fruit of the word of God sown in your heart. Here's the beautiful thing. You don't make it happen. Faith does not make it happen like some circles have taught. Faith does the sowing, but the seed produces after its own kind. What are you sowing? That's your part. Faith is what kind of seeds are you sowing? Faith disciplines yourself to not sow the seeds of doubt, pain, disappointment, entertaining, planning your own funeral. You know what I mean? That's not faith. Faith rehearses the potential of the kingdom fruit coming to pass in your life. Amen? You guys are practicing. So uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a person sowed into his field. So you're sowing the word of God because it's alive. The field is your heart. Verse 32 and this is smaller than all the other seeds. I don't care how much faith you think you have, how convinced you are, it will produce. Your job is to sow it. And I don't just mean just read the Bible, get the Bible, read the Bible. Because, you know, you can make that a dead work. You can make reading the Bible a dead work. You can make getting up, I'm going to put it in, I'm going to listen. How many of you have already, don't raise your hand. I was going to ask you how many of you have already stopped your yearly, your year plan Bible reading plan, your long reading, Bible reading plan. Don't raise your hand. You're not the only one. But verse 32, and this is smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is fully grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky and the nest in its branches. Now, here's the one that I really want us to focus on. All right, we're going to end on this. This is verse 33. This is going to be the last thing, the first thing. Make sure that you are thinking of faith as your response to him. Where are you? How are you responding to the invitation of God's promise in your life, right? Faith is a response. What was the second thing? What was it? Change your vantage point. Good, because I forgot what it was. <laughs> Verse 33, this is uh, Matthew 13, 33. So then he spoke another parable to them, and he says this. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three sats of flour until it was all leavened. So how does this work? How many make bread? I don't really make bread. Do you actually take the yeast and fold it into it? And then it makes its way through it. You have to let it sit so that it makes its way through, right? So, so think about that. Maybe, maybe you're an artist. How many of you are painters? You start out with a particular color. You want it to be another color. So what do you do? You fold in a tiny little bit of color. Right? You ever been to Home Depot? Now we're getting them there. Oh, yeah, Home Depot, I, can, I know that one. You know, you, you get that white, white base paint, put a little drop of red, put a little drop of this, and, and then it mixes up, and it takes enough to a lot of your life. The, the seed of the kingdom to work its way through every aspect of your life. Faith if you want to get good at doing faith, just get good. Be proficient in holding the word of God 
until it starts to make sense to you. Think about it. Hold it in your heart. Look at that scripture. Ponder it. Meditate. It's not the volume. Like you were saying, it's not volume. It's, quant it's quality. It's not quantity. It's quality. Have some quality time with even just one passage. And that passage, it's like the leaven. And you fold that dough. It keeps working its way through. It starts to, you know, the, you fold the idea. You, so, for example, you fold, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when you are tempted to do the most immoral thing that you can imagine. When you're tempted to step out and fall right back into that ditch that you've tried so hard to leave behind, and then you start folding it. No, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven. He who's in me is greater than he who is in the world. And you're not trying to convince God. You're not confessing to get God to do something. Remember, faith is not to get God to do something. You're confessing to persuade your heart. You're tilling up the ground of your heart to be receptive to the word. And here, here's, here's how the magic happens, if I could say it this way. Do you trust that the powerful word of God in a receptive heart will produce after its own kind? Do you actually trust that the Word of God is powerful enough to do a work within you to bring about a change in your life? Do we actually believe that? If it's just words on paper, then no. But if it's the living, breathing life of God on the inside of you, it's not just an interesting idea. It's something that's active and alive and moving throughout your inner parts, affecting your thoughts, affecting your desires, which affects your choices and your behaviors, then brings then, this, then like Proverbs says, then discretion becomes a filter. You plant the word of God in regard to wisdom in your heart, and you reshape your mind to think according to how God describes wisdom, then when you step out into life and you need to make a decision, you've got this filter of the word of God on the inside of you that's living and breathing, and it changes you. That's when righteousness is a sweet thing to you. Not that you've performed it, but that you've experienced the fruit of it. Obedience is a fruit. Faith is a fruit. Miracles are a fruit, not something to be sought. Man, I'm telling you, we are complete in Christ. We are in this situation. We are in this fallen and broken world. Our minds and our bodies still need to be renewed, but the Spirit of God on the inside of us is affirming to us. You're my child. You're my child. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to my physical body. His Spirit is bearing witness with my Spirit that I'm His child. And, until you actually feel something, right? If you're dealing with depression... You're dealing with regret and sorrow. Man, I'm telling you. I'm just telling you it works. Hold that word on the inside of there. Imagine that projected future. Imagine the fruit of what it looks like for that to bear fruit and change your life. See it ahead of time so that your heart kind of starts to get on board with it. And it manifests. That's the Mark 4 aspect. He says it's like a farmer casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how it happened, but it produces after its own kind. This is what we're going to practice in equip uh, Wednesday is we're all going to identify an area, pick out a passage that we want to see bear fruit in our lives and begin to meditate this future. And, and it's okay if you're meditating a 10,000 square foot home 
with your Lamborghini driving up a golden driveway. As long as it's in alignment, in alignment with what God is leading you to do in your life, right? You know, I mean, I'm being silly, but I'm just saying, it's okay if your desires for success in this world are packaged into that, because there's a popular thing out there, you know, the law of attraction, imagine this future and try to draw things to you. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting, what does the word say? This is an area of my life that I'm not experiencing it. If I can see it and feel it inwardly, then it becomes possible, right? Or it becomes believable, which then it becomes possible. Because he says, all things are possible to those who believe. So we want the word to actually be believable so then that it's possible. Because if if you read the word of God and you feel like, well, I don't see how that's going to happen, that's impossible, then you're not not receptive to receive it. Now, God could still get it to you, but you're probably going to miss it. What we want to do is make the word believable so that it's possible, and then the seed produces after its own kind. We could probably explain that part in tongues, right? You know, the manifestation, because it's kind of like we get that. It's like, okay, well, and a lot of people were like, okay, so how does it, how does it manifest? What's the next step? It's like a farmer casts seed in the ground, goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how, produces after its own kind. Do you trust that the word of God will change you? The gospel is the power of God. But you take time to put it in there, knowing that it's alive, hopefully having an emotional experience with it, changing the potential future that you see, knowing that your faith, your persuasion of who God is, is a factor in experiencing it. Amen? Amen. And, and it's challenging. It, I mean, it's challenging. We, you know, it's easier to just sit back. I, there's people that have been in this church, and it's not that we got it all figured out, but I've had people say, you know, it was easier when I was in the denominational church, because I could just believe that God was just controlling everything and I didn't have to believe. I didn't have to change my heart. I, I don't want that. Because I, I look at a world that is riddled with darkness, pain, lack. I see a nation trending toward perversion. I see families that are hurting, good people that are hurting knowing that we have a power on the inside of us that can actually make a difference. We got to get better at this healing stuff. We got to get better at this communicating to God, to people what God's saying in the moment in a real, authentic, meaningful way, but bringing hope in life, bringing that spiritual perspective, bringing that vantage point of heaven to say, you know what, I get it, I understand, but there's another way. There's a possibility of you experiencing a life with God that's greater than you can even imagine. Not so that your personal needs will get met, that's like a side benefit, but so that God is glorified, so that the kingdom increases. When, when, you, when you experience joy in the midst of depression and loss, the kingdom of God has increased. When you see somebody hurting and you can love them out of that hurt, The kingdom of God wins in that moment. And to the increase of his kingdom shall be no end. Righteousness, peace, and joy continuing to be more and more effective. Amen? Man, praise God. Let's stand up if you would.
and just put your attention on him, and I hope your heart was stirred a little bit. Maybe you're thinking about something specifically that you're going to take home today. But just, just think about this for just a moment and be willing to make this commitment that you're going to take his word like leaven or like those tiny little drops of paint and just, just build a picture of it for just a minute of you folding his word into your heart and you, you camping out there and trusting and letting him love on you and you're pushing out doubt and you're pushing out fear and you're pushing out, you're keeping worry out of the picture and you're fighting to hold that image on the inward. You're just fighting to, you don't even have to fight, you're just resting. But just see that, I'm folding the word of God inwardly. Thank you, Father, that you love me. Thank you that you came to give me peace. Thank you that your strength on the inside of me is greater than anything in the world. And, and maybe, maybe you, so maybe it starts to creep in a particular area of life that you're dealing with that brings some fear and worry. And you're like, yeah, this is great, but how does this affect my life? Well, you know what? I don't know how to teach you that part. The Holy Spirit does, though. So just tell him, I'm open to you, Holy Spirit. I trust you working in my life. I thank you for your word, and I will plant it in my heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I trust you. I, I trust you with my life. I give you everything. I thank you for your word. Thank you that your spirit is inside of me, bringing life to my physical body, touching my mind, giving me peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, 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 and if, you're, if you're looking for answers and solutions in that moment, be careful. Don't just try to get information in a moment like that. What you're trying, it, it, it's, that's like a farmer going and trying to wait, like he plants the seed and then thinking he can go eat the fruit the next day. You know, if, you, if, you're just, if you're desperate and you're looking for an answer in that moment, you'll probably shortcut the process. But if you can just trust that you're cultivating the word, and that it's actively changing you in that moment, trust me, the word will bear fruit. Engage the process. Amen? Amen. Man, praise God. Well, I, I think both of our guys that are normally on the prayer team, I'm going to well, I want you to slide up here, and uh, Sarah, you as well. But if you need prayer today, there's the last passage on there too, if you would put that up, the Romans. You know, if you're in the room today and you've not said yes to Jesus, it's super easy to become his child. You just believe that what he did was for you. Amen. Let me, let me even just ask, is there anybody in the room today that you're not sure that you're his child, you're not sure that you're saved, and you'd like to make that decision today? Everybody's looking around. No pressure. It's easy. It's way easier than you thought. It's if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? Amen. But if you're watching online now or later, make sure you go to our website, forward.church. We've got some great articles on there. So one more time, let me just speak a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for everybody that's gathered in the room today. We've had the word sown in our hearts. I thank you that we're good stewards. I ask that you turn all the eyes of our heart to you to be receptive, to allow you to work. We speak life and abundant blessing over every single person in this place. 
May we thrive in your word to become that effective, powerful church in this earth to bring about change. We're walking out of here victorious. We're walking out of here easy and light, full of hope, full of trust in you, expecting your kingdom to make a difference in our lives and willing to carry your message into a broken and hurting world to be a light to them. And I am willing, just say that, I am willing to represent you in the authority that you've given me. Amen, amen, amen.